Okay, hi, welcome to Orphanity This is Saratova Parsha Shlach. Um, uh, unbelievable question for us on a personal level. Parsha Shlach is all about being sent on a mission. To spy out, maybe, not to spy out, to, um, to go into the land of Israel when we are not yet there. And to see how we're going to get this whole thing done. How we're going to get in there. This is something that we deal with in our personal lives all the time. And we want to know, we want to take the energy of this Parsha and do it right this time. There is room to say that the last time we did it, the original time we did it, we could have done better. Which means this time, because we have the whole Parsha laid out in front of us, this time we use it as a springboard to do it right. So the question is, what is it? So let's picture ourselves. We are traveling through what's called the Midbara Amin, the, the desert of the nations. Yep, here we are. And, and we have world chaos going on or, you know, all kinds of stuff and, and, and demonstrations and maybe even rioting in the streets and people are saying various things and some people are saying things about Jewish people and all that other stuff. And it can be really frightening, or it can be very grounding. It's, it's very frightening if we connect what we see to past traumas that we have as Jewish, you know, as the Jewish nation, the past um, collective Jewish horrific, horrific, horrific traumas that we have thousands of. If we connect it to that, then we will draw one conclusion. If we don't connect it to that, then we'll feel very frightened. If we don't connect it to our past traumas, then we can feel very grounded and say, wow, things are different now, even though maybe people in the street are saying the same rhetoric. God forbid. So there we are. We know. We feel, it's not only that in general we're traveling through the desert of the nations, but very specifically in this week, we feel it. We are in the desert. It is an uninhabited place. It's not a settled, civilized place. It's a place of scorpions and snakes. Those are dangerous. And it's, it's not a settled, civilized place. I don't think that anybody feels that right in these weeks right now, we're in the most civilized weeks of the whole year. I think that we felt that when we were in quarantine from Purim to Shavuos, those were very civilized weeks. That was the best, that was the most civilized weeks of in, in, in decades, in decades. And, you know, we've gone through it so many times and say, people, peaceful, family, this, that, inward, uh, looking to a new world and all of that stuff. So we didn't feel like we were in a desert then, except that we didn't know what was going to happen. But now, not the desert energy is, it's wild and uninhabited. There, there's no feeling of being in a civilized world anymore. It's just like, <laughs> Sure, no police. Sure, that sounds great. There are no police in the in the desert, are there? Okay. Number one, number two, in the desert as you're traveling, um, you just don't know what's up ahead. <laughs> never been there before. We don't know what's up ahead. We've never been there before. That's where we're standing historically. And in the desert, there, um, it's it, it's hot by day and and freezing by night. It's just the elements are just so oppressive that you just feel that you're not going to survive. God forbid. Well, yeah, there we go. Except you know that that feeling of will we make it through this? 
and and wandering from place to place, just kind of wow, where where are we going to? And um, just maybe even a sense of disconnect and uh, all all of this feeling. So that's what we're feeling very much now. And yet the interesting thing is that we had the clouds of glory to guide us and protect us. Now, a cloud is still a cloud. You have to look up to see the cloud. If you look down, you're not going to see it. So if you look up, you realize, oh, no, we're being guided and protected. If you look down and where you don't see a cloud, you don't see a cloud down, you feel frightened. You don't see the guidance and the protection. So uh, the other thing in in the desert was, of course, with the food and the uncertainty of how long do we stay in one place? We don't know. How long will this phase go on? We are we don't know. And the food, there was no satisfaction. If you were on a lower spiritual level, the sense of um, you couldn't open the refrigerator and say, "What's here to eat?" It was the same bun and it was like whatever you wanted, but there was no. You got it when you needed. There wasn't that feeling of ah, there's stuff in the fridge, you know. How many bags of pretzels do we have in the pantry? Ah, good. When I'm hungry, I know I can go and have some pretzels and peanut butter. None of that. That satisfaction that we ground ourselves with by having that, that was totally eliminated. And we definitely live in a time where there's no satisfaction. All the pretzels in the world are just not going to give us that feeling of fullness and satisfaction. And we're just, times are, times are challenging. And yet, or the, on the higher spiritual level, people sense that the, the manna, the man, took them from step to step, just gave, gave us a sense of we are being given everything we need exactly when we need it. And then, of course, we spoke about the other day, which we'll go into more another time. The Aaron was traveling in front of us, killing all the scorpions and snakes. Yes, that was the other thing. In the, in the desert are scorpions and snakes. They're deadly. That's what we had to deal with. At any given, you put your foot down, you don't know if there's going to be a scorpion or a snake. Pretty scary. Well, that's the way it feels now. Walking in a world of landmines, God forbid. And yet at the same time, the iron went in front of us and killed all the scorpions and snakes so that we would be safe as we're traveling. Okay, so within all of this personal issue that corresponds to that, Parsha Shlach was, the next step is, we're going to go into the land of Israel. And these representatives, the Meraglim, were chosen, one from each tribe, to go into the land of Israel and check it out. I'm not going to say spy it out. Check it out to see, well, the question is, why, why did they go? See how to get into the land, to, to work it all out. Okay. And so that is our question today. You know, I, I know where I'm on to. So what's, what's going to be with all of this? What's the end of all of this? What do you mean what's the end? Mashiach. Good. Thank you very much. What do I do in the meantime and how do I get there? Ah, okay. Great. We're going to send Shlach. We're going to send Muragwin ahead of us to spy out where we're on the way to. To have a vision of where we're going and, and how to maneuver, how to... What's it called? Lean into the future. We want to take the future, which is a vision of beauty and peace, 
and pull it into our present moment. That's what they did. That's what the Miraglim did. They went into the land of Israel to experience the energy of the land of Israel and bring it back to our journey in the desert. That's exactly what we want to do now. So it turns out that Parsha Shlach is a really good thing. You're pulling, you're going into the future, the vision of Geula, and you're pulling it into your present moment. Okay, so with that in mind, we're just going to do a, a small piece of the Parsha. It says that, um, it, this is the, the Sikh of Parsha Shlach, Tafshinun Aleph, and it says that Parsha Shlach is involved with the idea of unity. You're talking about the Miraglim, the spies, everything, they're being told what to do, they're traveling, they're coming back, they're answering, they're saying what they saw, they're speaking to Maisha and Aaron, and then everything that happened after that. Lots and lots of things. Um, how they explain to us what they saw in Israel. All of this is all about one, the, the Echad, this one and only kind of Nukuda. It's all one long story with lots and lots and lots of things. Um, and in order to understand what the story is about, it's not enough to just learn one part of it, but you have to learn all the other parts. Okay. And the end of Parsha Shlach, by the way, has to do with Tzitzis, which tells you about all the 613 mitzvahs, and really it brings out that kind of that oneness. Okay, so here is our question. Remember, our job is we're trying to figure out, how do I maneuver through this frightening desert right now? Okay, so since everything in Torah is exact, we want to know what the idea of the Parsha and Miraglim, the spies, if you want to call them spies, what does it have to do with the time we're in with me personally? And so um, we're going to ask a few questions because when we're looking at spies, again, let's use the word spies loosely, but Miraglin, because not everybody will understand the Hebrew word, let's just use the word spies loosely. There were two groups. And of course, this has everything to do with us right here, right now. What are you going to do? You want to send spies into the future to experience the energy of the future and pull it back into right here, right now. Correct? Yes, that's what we want to do. So, all right, where do we have examples of spies going into the future in history? Well, two times. Moses, Maishar Benu sent them, and also then his student, Yeshua, sent them. And these were very, very different in the way it was done. In a whole lot of details, in, um, I guess, six, yeah, six different details. Because our question is, so which group will we use as an example to ourselves how to maneuver this really crazy transition time that we're in in history now? So number one, it says about the Miraglim of Maishra Bin, it says, Shlach Lecha. What does that mean? Ledaitacha, ani eni mitzav lecha, in shlach. What does that mean? That when, when Moshe Benu Moses, when, when, when the Jewish people came to him and said, we want spies to go into the land of Israel. So Moshe Benu Moses went to God and said, and asked, should I or shouldn't I? He would always do that. He would ask when things were asked of him and he wasn't sure. He would go to Hashem, go to God and ask, should I do this or should I not? And this was the first time that the answer came back you decide. 
Don't ask me, God. You, Moshe Rabbeinu, you decide. How is this expressed? Ladaitacha, according to your das, according to your understanding. I am not commanding you. If you want, you send. This is, you become the one who is empowered to have, to make the wise decisions. Don't come to me. You now, the smaller person down here, in this case, measure being relative to God, you are now being empowered to make the decisions on your own. Okay. There's something in that. But then the spies of Yahshua, so surely Yahshua did, according to the way Hashem said, the difference is, Yahshua realized that the way that Moses, Meshurbinu, did it, according to his das, he did it without a command. Um, yet it had to be done this, this time, this time there, it was done in a different way. Okay. So Yahshua said, the first time, the decision was made from below. Meisher Benu decided. He was told by God, I will not tell you, you decide. The second time, 40 years later, Yahshua said, I will wait for a command from God. Whatever that's about, we want to look into that. The one did not have a command from God, was told, I'm not commanding you, that's my command. That means I'm empowering. The first time was, God is saying, I am empowering you, I am empowering the people to have their own wisdom and their own inner guidance. That was the first step. The second step with Yeshua was, now that that was done, the second time will be, let's let's have a command from above. What's that about? Okay. There are a couple more differences. About Meishu Rabbeinu, Moses' spies, it says, Shlach Lecha Anashim. It doesn't say send spies about Meishu Rabbeinu. It says send men. It doesn't say Miragim. It says send men. And what should these men do? The Asuras Eretz Kanan. Send men to tour the land of Canaan. With Yeshua, it says the Yachru, um, they will spy. And Yeshua says, Anashim Miraglim, Lachpur. So, again, watch this. Moses was told, send men to tour the land. Lachlacha Anashim, the Yeshua's Eretz Canaan. Send men to tour the land. Yeshua was told, send men spies to spy out the land. It's interesting. One is sending tours, men to tour, and then later, the other one is sending spies to spy. Okay? There's a third difference. About the Muraglam of Maisha Benu, those of Maisha, it says, who went? Whom did Moses Maisha Benu send? He sent one representative of each tribe. There were 12. 12 people went. About Yeshua, 40 years later, he sent two. He sent two, not 12. Not a represent, not a rep from each tribe, just two. We don't, you know, it's not even said which tribe they're from, just two. Another difference is the, the people that were sent, whom did Moses send? Everyone was 
cream of the crop, a nasi, a prince. Everyone was a leader, a, a leader, a prince, a nasi, a leader of the Jewish people, a leader of his tribe. They were not play. They were not simple people. They were leaders. Twelve leaders were sent by Moses. Yeshua, 40 years later, two men. And it actually doesn't say who they were. They weren't necessarily leaders. They weren't necessarily the heads. They were two men. Okay. And two more differences is the publicity that went with it. When Meishar bin Moses sent, um, there was a lot of fanfare. Every, everybody asked for it, so they knew that their 12 representatives were going. And when the 12 representatives came back, everybody knew they came back, and there was a whole gathering, and they made a whole speech, which made everybody fall apart and cry. And it was a, there was a lot of fanfare. And even when the everything was very in the open, with Moshe Benu. They knew when they're going, they knew when they're coming back, they knew what they said, they knew what they did. And when these these spies of Moshe Benu went into the land of Canaan, um, they also were pretty visible. The, the whole thing with Moses' spies were high visibility. So they were all, they were very visible and Hashem had to make a special miracle to hide them. And the way he hid them was that people in Canaan had lost a lot of people and they were busy burying all the people that they had lost and so busy that they did not notice these 12 Israelites traveling in a group. Interesting, the 12 Israelites traveled in a group. They didn't disperse, so they would be, they didn't camouflage. They came in a group. Now, if you're going to see 12 Israelites who don't look like anybody in Canaan, think the people in Canaan were giants and the Israelites were small. You, this group you will notice. They didn't try to hide themselves. Hashem had to hide them. So everything about their trip, Meisher being despises, everything is high profile. Now, the Miraglam of Yeshua, 40 years later, is everything is low profile. The Jewish people didn't know that they were going. They didn't know who was chosen. They didn't know what was happening. They didn't know when they came back. Everything was very quiet, very low profile, very secret. And, of course, when they came to the land of Canaan, very low profile, concealed, nobody knew. Um... And they were told, make yourselves very invisible, um, um, hide yourselves, etc. And also when they came to the house of Rachav, she said, hide yourself. And she said, I will find you a hiding place. And one said, I, I can hide myself with the holy name of God. And the other one was hidden. Everything about it was very low profile, very, very concealed. Okay, and the last difference between all of these was the Miraglam of Meishar Benu, they went throughout the entire land. Every inch, the width, the breadth of every land. Arba Meas Parsa, Arba Meas Parsa, 40 days, 40, um, 400 Parsa, this way, 400 Parsa, that way. They put their feet on every part of the land. 
the ones of Yeshua, they came to the border, which was Yericha. They came to the wall around Yericha, they, which is not really, it's just the wall around Yericha, which is the wall around Israel. They didn't actually go into the land. And even they didn't go into Yericha, they just came to the walls. And they came to the house of Rachav, and she gave them the information that they needed. They came to find out, what do the people in this country think about it? She told them, mission accomplished as soon as they got there. As soon as they got to the wall, mission accomplished. And that same night, she lowered them down through the wall of her, from the wall of her house so that they could escape. So they came, they heard from her what they needed to hear. Some soldiers came looking for them. They they hid, and she lowered them down with a rope, and they left. They actually never came into the land. They never even came into the city of Yerichai. Um And they hid for three days. And then they came back to Yeshua. Okay, all of these are the differences. So it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff. All of this is going to explain to us what it has to do with us. Here's our question. Okay, so what is all of this telling us about remember, we're back to we are wandering in the desert of the nations just as we're recording this now and hearing loudspeakers on the street and there's no doubt speaking to protesters about the flow of traffic of their protest march, which is, I hear it now. Yes, definitely that feeling of um, we're in the desert. (laughs) Okay. So the Nakuda, maybe it's better that I go inside. (laughs) Okay. So the Nakuda of the explanation is the following. We want to ask ourselves, these two, oh, they're awfully close. Oh, this is so la-di-da. Think <laughs> about desert. Okay. Okay, so here we are in the, in the desert of the nations. Um, which way, you know, and we have both energies. We need to go look into the future. And we, we need to ask ourselves, how do I pull this future vision, which the future vision is, we will be in the land of Israel. That's what they, their future vision was. Let's send the people to the land of Israel where we will be in a totally different situation. That's our ultimate goal. And really when they're saying the land of Israel, they didn't just mean in the limited way that, that it ended up being so far, but the real full Geula. They were picturing, we are in the desert of nations for 40 years, and we are on our way to Geula, when we will be in the land of Israel forever, in true peace, in the whole whole Israel, in true peace, and we will have life as it's really supposed to be. They they weren't picturing the the short-term goal, but the real end end goal that is the same with us so we have these two energies that are being given to us one is the way Meisher Benu did it 
with all of those those details. And the other one is the way Yoshua did it. And I guess to summarize, the two different ways are Maishu Rabbeinu's way is, uh, um, let's see, Maishu Rabbeinu's way is that he was empowered. Um, the, wait, one is, let's take a Maishu Rabbeinu's way. Number one, when you're leaning into the future to bring it into the, into the present, um, it's done in a way that the people are being empowered. The small person in you is being empowered grassroots way. That's number one. Number two um, thing is um, you're going not to spy out. You're not looking at the future and saying, let's spy it out, but rather you're going there as a person to tour, to tour the future and say, hmm, what's this future about? Number three is um, you're going in as a leader, as a head of a head of your tribe. Number four is you're you're looking into the future as um um you're, you you have a there are twelve of you. You're a group. You're a group. Each all all, all the different all the different tribes, you, you you you're all together as this group. You know, you're not alone in this. Number five is um we're not afraid to publicize it. There's a lot of publicity about this way that that we're that we're looking into the future you know wherever you go online there's another podcast and another blog talking about leaning into the future so this is not this is the secrets out of the bag we're we're all we're all talking about it which gives that extra strength of you know the, the whole world is talking about it so great we're we're all we're all doing the same thing of you know we're giving each other encouragement to collectively lean into the future and pull from it in, into the present. And the last part is that we need to touch our feet onto every molecule of existence. We need to go throughout the whole land of Israel. In, in our case, you know, we travel all around the world. There isn't a place that, you know, we haven't, that somebody hasn't been. Um, we're just, we're globetrotters because we need to touch down on every molecule of existence, not only globetrotters in terms of space, in terms of time, in terms of scientific exploration, et cetera, et cetera. We need to touch all those places with our feet and then pull them in all, and pull all of that into um, a, a beautiful future brought into the, into the present through that. That is one way. The other way is Yeshua's way, and this is also being given to us, which is, um, we're getting a command from above, which there's a lot. When you get a command from above, that's amazing because you get the divine energy that comes along with it. Number one. Number two, um, um, we are going in to spy out the land. You know, you want to be vigilant and you want to kind of see where are the pitfalls, which is good. That's number two. Number three, um, Sometimes you were approaching the future just as a simple person. There's an advantage to being just a simple unknown person. You don't always have to be the big, well-known leader. The simple person can do incredible things. The other thing is um, just two of us is good enough. We don't need a whole group necessarily to achieve things. Just one or two people is enough, and you can make huge changes in the world. The other thing is we can do this in a quiet way doesn't always have to be okay so if the big fancy there's a big fancy project going along but 
you in your own quiet way without much fanfare. And there have been people who, who there are people in the past couple of decades without much fanfare in their own quiet way, they achieve unbelievable things. And, um, and also, and this is really powerful about from Yahushua, sometimes you don't need, sometimes you get what you need just by getting to the border of something and you get everything that you need. You know, you don't have to, oh boy, I know what I'm going to need for that. I'm going to have to go in there and then, you know, you just, you just pull up your, you pull up your car to, uh, to the Walmart, uh, car repair place and they say, oh, Oh, look at that. You need new windshield wipers and we'll do them right now. And you pay $10 and they change them and boom, you know, you thought you were going to need a whole four, four day overhaul and all of this. And one, two, three, right? You know, as you pull it, pull up into the parking lot, they get it done. That kind of thing becomes available now. So we have these tools for pulling the future into the present, both from Maishu Benu and both from Yeshua. And they're all amazing tools. So. We're going to pull it all together with the following. Here's our question. What is, um, what is the point? Why did Maishu Benu send these spies? And why did Yahshua send these spies? Um, and they have very different reasons. One, that, um, there could be two reasons. When we're going to lean into the future, we want to kind of explore the future. The future is a beautiful geula that's on the way. We want Mashiach now, right? The world of Mashiach. Why do we want to look into it? One is we want to conquer it. That was the normal way. When an army, when a nation was going to go, go into a new country, England was going to go into France, they would first send spies to find out what the pitfalls were so that they could figure out how to get in and be victorious. They would spy out the land. That's one reason. So when we're looking at the future, we could look at it with a very mm, frightened kind of perspective, ask ourselves, oh boy, what's the future going to hold? It's probably really scary. The future is always really scary. You never know what's going to happen. We're now in a time where we feel like, wow, what's going to happen? It's so unknown. It's so scary. Give me some anchors. Give me some familiar things that I see about the future because who knows, who knows, who knows? I need to spy it out. I need, I need some tools. Otherwise, it's really scary. That's one approach. Basically, the place I'm going to is for sure going to be a scary place. We who are addicted to negativity from Gullis feel like, oh, no, the future can't be good. It's going to be frightening. That, that's, that's our, you know, let's call it American way. And the other thing is when we're going to go into the future, or in this case, the land of Israel, why would we go? To go into the land including eventually settling it, because we want to know the good qualities of the place. So what does that mean? That means I can look at the future and say, oh, it's so scary. Oh, my goodness, it's so scary. Oh, boy, I need some information. Any, any anchors I can get about the future because it's so unknown. I don't like dealing with unknowns. I, I, let's send spies into 
into the future. Let's create time machines. Any tools I have. It, 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 the unknown means bad. And then there's the other view, which means the unknown means good. As someone said, transforming the fear of the, of the future unknown to the wonder and excitement of the future unknown. These are two different ways. So if I'm excited about the, if I'm doing it the second way, I'm excited. I have the, the excitement and wonder of the future unknown, which we are all, all facing the future unknown. Okay, let's say that we are all facing the future unknown and very much in these days, more than ever before. Um, if we decide to live in that space of the wonder and excitement of the future unknown, then why do we need to deal with it? Okay, we're not afraid. The other guys, they're afraid of the future. So they have to try to get some tools to deal with the fear and to deal with just tell me whatever you can tell me about the future because anything that can give me some information that's, that's not scary, I'm, I'm making fun of myself. So that's, that would be a reason why I, just tell me whatever you can about the future. If I'm excited about the future, why do I need information? Why am I sending men ahead of me to get information? And the answer is that from my vantage point here in the, in the present, even if I'm excited about the future, the future, I know, I'm saying to myself, the future is better than my present. So I want to whet my appetites. I want to arouse my appetite for something even better than what I have now. The future is going to be better than what I even have now, in a way. Future is Geula. Now is transition to Geula. I want to develop an appetite right here, right now. I want to inspire myself from the delicacies, the emotional, physical, spiritual, psychological, medical, etc., delicacies that will be everyday life in the future. I want to enjoy them now. I want to, I'm tasting the Shabbos food before Shabbos. There's a reason why there's a minhag to taste the Shabbos food before Shabbos, whatever all the reasons are. Not only you want to, oh, you want to, you know, get excited about Shabbos coming, but you're pulling some of it in. You're creating a bridge from what will be in the future to right here, right now. And then just notice that. If I'm already eating the food of the future, and I'm already tasting the taste, tasting the flavors of the future right to here, right now, and I'm already smelling the aromas of the future and hearing the sounds of the future right here, right now, and enjoying them, then it's like, this is in my mind, then it's like what I always say when we were kids and we were drive, driving on the highway and I said, oh my goodness, there's a mountain coming up in, in, the, in the distance. Are we going to all fall out of the back of the car when we go up the steep mountain? And we never did, thank God. Because when we got to the mountain, it became flatter. It was, it was a smooth transition. It looked scary up there, up above. But it somehow got smoothed out. And it was not a difficult thing. 
So what happens is, like, I, I know a young woman who once said, she said, I don't have the patience for shidduchim and dating and all that stuff and who, what, and questions. She said, I just want to wake up. I'm single, and I want to wake up, and I have a husband and two children. <laughs> and I just had, I bypassed all the stuff of dating, who, what, where, all that. And, and, and one day she really did. I mean, she really did. But she just wanted it to be more seamless. <laughs> You know, and today, thank God, she has a husband and two children. <laughs> she wakes up and there they are. And you know, how did I get here? Uh, I can't remember. Kind of. So, in a sense, part of us feels like if I could just wake up and be in Gula, or my in my case, if I could just find myself upstate without having to pack and drive there and organize my stuff and all that. So just like be there, and I don't know, somebody else pack my stuff. Please, I'll pay you, I'll pay you, you know, I'll pay you $500. Just do it for me. That's what we're talking about. The second energy, that that one kind of energy is just, I want a taste of the future and draw it into the here and now so that I'm in the future while I'm in the present. It becomes a seamless process. It becomes, I don't know how I got from the present to the future, but I'm just here. That's amazing. It's smooth. It's gentle. It's light. It's painless. It's delicious and pleasant. That's one approach. That's one reason why you want to, you're not sending spies into the future because it's so scary and I need some anchors and I need some information so it's less scary. You're just, we're just, we're just inspiring our appetite. To already taste from the delicacies of future here and now, and then the future and the present become one piece. And I don't rem- remember, I don't even know which one's the future and which one's the present. And therefore, we're going to end off with this. And so we could say that the sending of Maragum of Maishabenu, that he had to make that decision. It wasn't, a, um, it wasn't so much to conquer the land. I have to know what's going to be. It's so scary. It wasn't so much to know what regular spies would know, all of the ways that you have to go, you know, figure out what all the enemy does so that you can outsmart them. It wasn't dealing with enemies, my Shurbanu's way. But really, to just know all the delicious beauty and tasty things of the land. That was, that was what Moses said. And Yeshua, 40 years later, and we'll see tomorrow, hopefully, why, Yeshua did not send them to find out all the delicious parts of the land, all the delicious parts of the future, because we already knew it was done. It was done by Moses. It was done by Meishar Benu. We didn't need to be, why, re, why reinvent the wheel? It was already done. We knew how delicious it was a place it was to go to. It's been done. We know that Geula is good and delicious and fun and tasty and Yum, 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 and all of those other things. We don't need to do that one anymore. So, therefore, Yeshua sent his people to know actually the best way to get in. Because in a sense, you can say, when we look into the future, we can say, well, is it good or not? Well, yeah, done for me. Done for you. Done for you. (laughs) Packing. Done for you. We figured out that the future is amazing. Okay. Done. Now what do you want to do? Okay, tell me how the fastest way to get there. Put on my, you know, put on ways and figure out what is the fastest way to get into the future. Sounds really good. 
So what's the fastest way? And therefore, we have these two energies, both from Meishar Benu and both from Yoshua, from Moses and Yoshua. And that we can bring into our lives to pull the future into the present in a very powerful way. So, Yiratan, we will continue this tomorrow to another point of it, but may we find ourselves in that tasty, delicious future, leaning from the future into the present, and it should be that we... It becomes one seamless piece of beautiful future, uh, interesting present. Let's call it interesting. Here we are in the desert. We're going to pull the land of Israel right into this desert as we are in these days of world um, uh, uproar. What's the word? World desert, unknown, weird goings on which we don't know the end, except we know the end. It's all good, and Mashiach comes, and everything settles down. We want to keep that vision of where we're, where we're going and pull it into right here, right now, so that it's no longer, it's not just a dream of, oh, don't, okay, it'll be fine, don't worry, it looks scary, I listen to the news, it looks scary, but it'll get better, you'll see, Mashiach will come, we need Mashiach, how much longer, blah, 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 blah. But rather, we want to experience the truth of Mashiach and the truth of the future right here, right now, as we're hearing the news, and say, wait a minute, this is. Pull the two together. And we have to say that what's going on in the desert of the streets, the streets of the desert of the world, is a lot of fire, a lot of passionate energy. Okay, that means that there's going to be even more passion in the tastiness of the Geula if we pull it into right now, from the streets, we'll get the passion. From the future, we get the vision. A vision of a future with passion. It's win-win. And may we find ourselves in the Gula Mitzvah Shlema in this passionate future right now. Thanks so much.